All right, we are in the Gospel of Matthew. If you are here with a Bible or a device that has Bibles on it, we're in Matthew chapter one, and we're gonna be looking at verses 18 through 25. That's our text this morning. Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. The topic, we see the outstanding character of Joseph as he submits to the Lord by marrying Mary and becoming the legal father of Jesus. The title of our message, there's something about Joseph. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. As a group, this is a particular group that you saw before the foundations of the world. That's comforting and exciting. Uh, And Lord, it, it gives us a sense of expectation that you have things to say to us today. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us as only you can by the power of your Holy Spirit, enlivening your word to our hearts. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. There's every reason to assume that Joseph and Mary were in love and excited about consummating marriage at the end of their year-long betrothal. Joseph would have been busy with the duties of the bridegroom, which included the preparation of the home that he and Mary would occupy. Being a carpenter, even though poor, he would certainly be cutting and carving and building some very special custom items for their enjoyment. I mean, just put yourself into uh, his situation. In fact, a carpenter in those days was really a stonemason who also worked with wood and metals. And so he, he did all of those kinds of things. I'm sure he had a few things to surprise Mary in terms of getting their home ready uh, to live in. How devastating to discover the woman he was to marry was with child. It was no doubt life shattering. Hang in there, Joseph. An angel has been dispatched to tell you in a dream that your wife is the blessed virgin prophesied by Isaiah to conceive and bear and give birth to the Messiah. This angelic announcement about the virgin conception and birth of Jesus, do you think it ended the very human drama Joseph and Mary were involved with? Well, not at all. It only intensified things for them. For one thing, it accelerated their wedding plans as it seems that Joseph married her pretty soon after the angel visited him. They didn't wait until the betrothal period was over. And so they accelerated their plans. I don't know if any of you had a wedding planned and then decided to accelerate that plan. It's crazy. Mary's pregnancy made for a more difficult journey to Bethlehem when the decree went out to return to their hometown for the Roman census. And the next thing they would find themselves doing is fleeing for Jesus' life to Egypt when King Herod was slaughtering toddlers seeking to destroy him. While looking at God becoming human in the person of Jesus in order to save a lost race of men, we don't want to overlook the human drama in the life of one godly man from our lost race, and that is Joseph. And so I'll organize my thoughts around two points this morning. Number one, from heaven you are enlightened about the doctrine of the conception of the God-man. And number two, on earth you are delighted by the drama of the obedience of a godly man. Let's take a look, first of all, at how heaven talks to us about the conception of a God-man. Now, Matthew has just given us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He presented him as the son of Abraham, the son of David. Toward the end, he alluded to an abnormality in Jesus' parentage when he said he was descended from Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ, or the anointed one, or the Messiah. 
If Joseph wasn't Jesus's natural father, then who was? That would have been your next question at the end of the genealogy. And so in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph and Mary were betrothed. We would call this an engagement, but it's so much more than that to the Jews. You'll notice that though only betrothed, Joseph is already called Mary's husband in this account, and she will be called his wife. A formal betrothal occurred at least one year before the marriage ceremony itself. This betrothal involved a contract with payment of a bride price, and thus it constituted a binding legal agreement between the parties. This contract could only be broken by a divorce, even though the marriage wasn't consummated. The death of one of the partners caused the other to be labeled a widow or a widower, even though the ceremony had not taken place yet. One of the reasons for the long betrothal was to show the sexual fidelity and purity of the parties. Sexual infidelity was considered adultery and subject to the legal penalties of adultery in that society. At the end of the betrothal period, a wedding ceremony and a feast would take place after which the couple consummated their physical relationship and began to live together as husband and wife. And I mean, that's just the way things were done. We live in a society today where people just kind of follow their own path. There's a, there's a, a kind of a traditional way, even in the church, that you know, people still follow the moral purity of the Bible and all. But basically, it's where, you know, we're in an almost anything goes society. There, there was no deviation from this in the first century. This is what everybody did in these small villages and towns because of the cultural pressure and uh, all of being a Jew. This was the pattern. And, and so anything unusual, anything out of that scope was completely mind-blowing to everybody. Now, there had been no sexual contact between Joseph and Mary. Joseph discovered her pregnancy, it says, before they came together. And then in verse 25, you're gonna be told that they practiced abstinence even after they were formally married until Jesus was born. Now, we'll take a look at Joseph's dilemma and his drama in a moment, but for now, let's act as though we've never heard such a thing before, that a virgin could conceive and bear a child. How was that possible? Well, it says here very simply, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we make a few comments on this, and really just a few because the Bible doesn't tell us everything about it, let's remember the reverent perspective of the Apostle Paul who said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And so he says, this has been revealed to us, but it's not something simple to understand. How did human life begin in the womb of Mary apart from human male fertilization? Well, some scientists point to a natural phenomenon called parthenogenesis by which an egg can, in fact, develop life without fertilization. 
Reminds me of that crazy scene in Jurassic Park where the mathematician says, nature found a way. Remember that? Because they say, well, that's impossible. Well, nature always finds a way. Well, there is such a thing as parthenogenesis. However, because of the chromosomes missing from the male, if an unfertilized human egg did develop into a life, it would always be female. And so people, they love to search for these natural explanations of what the Bible is saying because we feel, I guess, more comfortable if it could really happen. We're always looking for a fish big enough to swallow Jonah so that we can show people that God can do what he said. You're talking about the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth who does miracles, but you have to prove that he can do what he actually said. And so we have parthenogenesis, but that doesn't work because if it did work, it would have to be a, a, a female, and so you're still dealing with a miracle. And so the virgin birth of Jesus, it's a biological miracle. And as such, it is not capable of, nor does it require biological proof. It comes to us as a revelation from God. Its proof is historical, it really happened, and theological, we can understand why it happened. Jesus wasn't simply created in Mary's womb either. She was not merely a surrogate mother. It was Mary's egg from which Jesus was conceived. It must be from her in order for him to be a real human being, literally descended from and connected to the Jewish people. Now, having said that much, and after reading a bunch of stuff, I like this simple explanation by Dr. Robert Gromacki. He says this, there's no indication that God fertilized the egg of Mary through the work of either the Father or the Spirit. Rather, she conceived without human or divine fertilization when God the Son not only entered her womb, but also the egg in her womb under the superintending ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's about as far into it as you can really get because the Bible doesn't give you the mechanism. Rather than ask how when discussing the conception of Jesus, we ought to ask why. At least two profound reasons are given by Matthew. First, as a race, we needed saving from sin. And so he tells us in verse 21, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Simply put, to provide salvation for mankind from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin, God the Son had to be born to acquire a true humanity. There had to be a mediator who could bring God and the human race together and the only true mediator for God and the human race would have to be both God and man at the same time. He would have to be a God-man. The man part of him, however, must be sinless. Through his conception, superintended by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was fully human but free from sin. Again, I fall back on Gromacki who said, when Mary conceived, she passed on her human nature, but she was prevented by the Holy Spirit from transmitting a sin nature. The end result was that Jesus was one person with two natures, divine and human, apart from sin and human flaw. If Jesus had not been born of a virgin under the overshadowing ministry of the Holy Spirit, then he could never have been free from the sin that mars every human soul. And so the Bible simply declares to us 
that in order to resolve the problem of sin and bring God and man together, God became flesh, fully God, fully human. As far as the exact mechanisms, we can rule out certain things, uh, you know, uh, we can confidently say that you know there wasn't any fertilization, but that the egg really was Mary's, uh, and that what was conceived in her must be holy because it was superintended by the Holy Spirit. But beyond that, you get into a lot. Of, I've read lots of wild theories about you know who passes the sin nature and all of this kind of stuff. The Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail. It assumes that you're going to understand that God loves the world so much that he is going to do something to redeem lost mankind and that it's gonna take quite an effort. It's gonna have to be miraculous. And that we don't need, because we believe God is the almighty God capable of these things, we don't need proof that's outside of the word of God. And if you do, if you think, well, I, you know, I have to prove that everything happens naturally. I'd only believe the virgin birth if, if it was a natural occurrence. If it was a natural occurrence, then you wouldn't believe it either because it, it would happen all the time. And you say, well, say there, there it is. It's just nature. And so it comes to us as a miracle. There's another reason Matthew gives for the virgin birth, verse 22 and three. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This prophecy is from the book of Isaiah. Critics maintain that the Isaiah passage is at best an analogy and not really a prophecy. They say it doesn't really say there will be a future virgin conception. Without going into detail, let me just say this. The Isaiah passage speaks of the virgin, a specific virgin, not just a virgin. Further, the best translation of the words from Isaiah read, behold, the pregnant virgin is bearing a son and she calls his name Emmanuel. The sign that Isaiah says is going to happen is that the virgin is still a virgin during her pregnancy and at the time she gives birth. You would never describe a woman as still a virgin after she became pregnant, certainly not after she gave birth, unless this was something supernatural, which indeed it was. Couple of things. Never assume a woman is pregnant. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. I just had a guy the other day tell me he got it bad because he asked some woman when she was due. Just Weight Watchers kind of a thing. But anyway, but if you find out that somebody's pregnant, somebody comes up and you say, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm expecting my child in, you know, whenever. Would you ever say, well, are you still a virgin? That's another thing you would never say, but don't in case you're thinking about it. And so when Isaiah said the virgin will still be a virgin while she's bearing the child and after she has the child, she'll be a virgin. You think, wow, this is something weird is going on, something wonderful. Matthew knew what he was talking about. Mary was the virgin, the pregnant virgin bearing a son who would be Emmanuel. Now back now to the second reason for the virgin birth. God became a man in order to reveal himself to us. In becoming a man, he is God with us. 
Since God is a spirit and invisible, according to 1 Timothy, how could we ever truly experience him? Only if he came as a man and dwelt among us. Jesus, we're told, is the image of the invisible God. John wrote, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Here's something we don't always dwell upon long enough. Jesus became human, God with us, and he will remain that way throughout eternity. He died in a body, and then he rose again in a new glorified but human body as the first fruits of all those in the human race who believing in him will be resurrected or raptured in similar glorified bodies. Jesus is forever the God-man. And I say that is a humiliation that he bore because he loved the human race. Because God loved us so much, he volunteered to become a man, the God-man for all eternity. Now Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How would you ever determine God was compassionate if you had not seen Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus or weeping over Jerusalem because he knew the destruction that was coming upon them because they would not receive him? as their savior. It's common for people to misunderstand the activities and attitudes of the person they like to call the God of the Old Testament. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, the God of the Old Testament, he was smacking people around left and right, wrath, you know, thunderbolts, the whole thing. People have the attitude that then Jesus came and now he says, now dad, stop that. Quit being so mad. I'm standing up for these people. All right, son. I'd really like to kill everybody, but for you, I'll, you know, I just give them diseases all the time. How's that? You know, people really do. They think, you know, the God of the Old Testament is, is this crotchety old man, and Jesus has finally saved us from that. These ideas are errors because Jesus says, I'm the express image of the Father. When you see Jesus, you're seeing exactly what God, the Father, is like. You can look at Jesus, you can listen to him and determine that God is compassionate, he's loving, he's searching for mankind, he's ready to forgive, and he's ready to save. And so it's very important that we understand God with us. Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham, the son of David, and he is the son of God. Not two persons, but one person with two natures, human and divine, in a union we can never understand, but which redeems lost mankind and restores fallen creation. Now on the earth, while all this is going on, we are delighted by the drama of the obedience of one godly man. Joseph isn't the focus here. He's not the most important person in this narrative. Jesus is. But when God came in human flesh, he did so in a way that greatly affected Joseph and Mary. As to Joseph, he was in a spiritual and social dilemma. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her secretly away. Now it says Joseph was just, or you could say a righteous man. That means he endeavored in a right way to live for God by keeping the law of Moses. He didn't eat unclean food. He didn't keep his carpentry shop open on the Sabbath to make a few extra drachmas. 
He was a good Jew, but for all the right reasons. He had a love for God. Finding out Mary was pregnant, as a righteous Jew, he could not continue the legal betrothal into a lasting marriage. He couldn't do it. He had choices, however. According to Deuteronomy 22, there were public procedures for determining exactly how a virgin betrothed to a husband became pregnant. Knowing he was not the father, the consequences upon Mary of such a public proceeding were severe. Some say even leading to her being stoned to death as an adulteress, although that was unlikely since the Jews under Roman rule could no longer legally carry out the death penalty. Still, no one would have believed her story that she was with child by the Holy Spirit. She would have been shamed and destroyed and ruined and uh, it would have been terrible for her. Joseph chose instead to apply Deuteronomy 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. And so he was going to divorce her privately as if he had found some uncleanness in her, not making a public spectacle of it. We don't know how Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy. We can't for sure say she even told him about her encounter with the angel Gabriel. But I think we could know that he was heartbroken. I think you can at least put yourself into his situation and know that he was heartbroken. And in their culture at that time, it would have been times a million what it is in our culture because of our lax attitudes and all. And, and it would hurt us, but this was like life-shattering, devastating stuff. We don't even know how long uh, Mary and Joseph had been pledged to each other. You know, you'll read about arranged marriages, how when the kids are very young and all that. So this, this is the culmination of a, a lifetime dream, uh, and, and in a moment it is shattered. Even so, Joseph took the most gentle approach possible one that might even cast suspicion upon him as the father. You see, without this public inquiry into the matter, without a decision by the elders, Joseph would not have been ruled out as having sex with Mary. You still had to account for how she was pregnant. And Joseph putting her away privately, giving her a bill of divorce, it doesn't really relieve him of any responsibility. Joseph's heart can minister to us. Do I always take the most gentle approach possible? Now, God can lead me to take a more direct approach. It's not always more spiritual to take the gentle way. But am I at least open to gentleness for the sake of being righteous? And so you see what I'm saying? Joseph had two paths he could go. He could say, well, worried about my reputation. I would like to get married someday. I don't want this following me around for the rest of my life. I'd better take Mary to the elders of the city Whatever happens to her, she should have thought about that before she got pregnant. I'm following the law. Let's go. But instead he said, no, I, I, I love Mary. And I, even though she's ruined my life, ruined our lives in a sense, I'm just gonna put her away public, or privately. Hopefully we can pick up the shattered pieces of our lives. And so, uh, you know, we need to be at least thoughtful of how God really wants us to proceed in dealing with others.
Verse 20, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. While he thought should be translated after he thought, meaning he had definitely decided to privately divorce Mary. Then he went to bed. He wasn't in a decision-making process. He was done. This is what he was going to do. Now, God often in the Bible spoke powerfully in dreams. An angel came to Joseph in a dream and revealed the supernatural conception of the baby in Mary's womb. It's the first of a total of four dreams through which God will speak to and direct Joseph. Other than Daniel, no one is recorded as having more spiritual dreams than Joseph. Now, calling Joseph the son of David was a nice touch because it put Joseph on notice that the baby was in the line of David and was going to be the son of David, the one prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures, the son of David who would sit on the throne forever. Don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife has at least two meanings. First, Joseph should abandon his own plan to divorce Mary. Although it was a reasonable and a righteous plan, although he was applying the wisdom of the word of God with compassion, it was not God's will. Now I wanna say this carefully so as not to be misunderstood. We need to be careful even when we are guided by biblical principles and seem to have the right attitude to still seek the leading of God before making our decisions. God is never gonna lead me to contradict his word, but he may lead me into something that I could not have understood by studying his word without his leading. There might be a more intimate walk with God that he is leading me towards. And so I think you understand, we're not saying you don't apply the word of God or that the word of God is not enough or you know, that we need experience plus the word of God, but Joseph, Joseph, knew the word well enough to know that he could apply Deuteronomy 24 and we applaud him for being gentle and loving and and for wanting to do the right thing and he went to bed thinking that's the way to go and then God said, yeah, no, that's not what's gonna happen at all because I have a third way that this is gonna play out. You're gonna get married and you're gonna bear the shame and the humiliation of all of this because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is how the Messiah is going to come. And Joseph said, all right, let's do this. And so you need to be careful. All of us need to be careful when making our decisions. There's a lot of times I think, well, here's what the Bible says and you know, I'm being gentle and what? That's it, done, done deal, no more prayer, not thinking about it anymore, I'm clean. And God might be saying, hey, let's pray about this still. Let's sleep on it. Let's think about it because I may want you to take a further step that you haven't thought about yet that brings you into a deeper intimacy with me. Not a, it's, Joseph, what he did didn't contradict God's word at all. But he wasn't thinking that he was gonna marry Mary and make this child his own legally. And so it's very interesting. Joseph could have refused. He could have divorced Mary. I'm sure some of his friends thought he should have divorced her. But he didn't have to. And the other thing, be careful when we're giving advice too. Because in this situation, as a pastor, if somebody had come to me, I might say, well, you got grounds for divorce. Do it. (laughs) Really? The Holy Spirit? That's the best she can do? She's a virgin birth? Yeah, right. Like that's gonna happen. God wanted him to do something entirely outside the scope of his normal decision making. 
It was risky socially, but spiritually rewarding. Joseph was also being told to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife in a second way. After Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary were to act like any other married couple and have children. Hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her as a wife. Joseph and Mary might have thought that since her womb had been the home of the God-man, she should remain a virgin. He might be afraid to treat her as his wife. In fact, as you know, there are those who teach the perpetual virginity of Mary as if it is somehow more godly that she never had sex or any other pregnancies, as if somehow that nullifies, you know, the whole situation. I, you know, you gotta be born of a virgin, you gotta remain a virgin for the rest of your life because if you have sex, that's some nasty, dirty thing that we can't be having as, you know, the virgin mother. That's not what the angel told Joseph. He said, hey, take her as your wife. And he did. And any plain reading of this text, you would come to the conclusion that it goes to great lengths to say Joseph and Mary never had sex. They didn't have sex during her pregnancy until Jesus was born, and then they had a normal relationship. And later on, we'll meet Jesus' brothers and sisters in the Gospels. Any attempt to say anything other than that is just stupid, and it's not scriptural. Verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Ever wake up from an especially vivid dream? Joseph did, and in fact, he was aroused from sleep. I think the angel kicked him <laughs> so he could act upon the announcement. Hey, I just, I, these angels, it, probably Gabriel, we're not told, but he's giving him this announcement, and he's snoring, and he's like, get up! Act on this. I mean, come on, this is mind-blowing. Besides, you can't afford, this is the kind of dream you can't afford to forget. Do you ever, you know, a lot of times you wake up and you think, I wonder if I had any dreams, you know? So you gotta wake up sometime in the middle of a dream to remember it. Took to him his wife, I wish there were some record of Joseph going to Mary and telling her about his dream. What a rush of holy joy must have filled both their hearts mixed with reverent fear and wonderment. I just, it, just meditate on that scene. I can't add to it, but just think of all that was going on in their hearts and minds and then for Joseph to come to Mary and say, an angel just told me that what you said is true and, and we're gonna get married and we're gonna do this thing. As I said, took to him his wife means they accelerated their betrothal, they had the wedding feast and began living together. What did people think? Did the couple tell others about the visit of Gabriel to Mary or the dream of Joseph? We can't know, but we can understand that their lives will be greatly impacted by these decisions. In verse 25, he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Mary remained a virgin till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Afterward, they had a regular marriage relationship. They had other children. He called his name Jesus, not Emmanuel. Emmanuel's a description of who Jesus is. God and with us. God and man, divine and human at the same time in a union we can't understand. Now Joseph is prominent only in the accounts surrounding Jesus' birth, his flight to Egypt, and his return from Egypt. He's mentioned in the story of Jesus going to the temple at about age 12. Most scholars speculate he died sometime after Jesus at the temple and before Jesus started his public ministry. 
One scholar wrote, Joseph is known to us only as a dim figure in the background of the gospel narratives, yet his wholehearted reconciliation to Mary, even in the face of possible slanderings by his neighbors, his complete self-sacrifice when he left all and fled to Egypt to save the infant Jesus are indicative that he was not unworthy to fulfill the great trust which was imposed upon him by God the Father. One of the stanzas of Charles Wesley's hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, seems an appropriate summary and conclusion for us this morning. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Let's pray.